Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. And welcome, everybody. This is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men, podcast number 231. Hard to believe, and we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas. So grab a globe, spin it around. Bang! I'm not sure where you ended up, but spin it around. Find Texas, the southeast side of Texas, Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. And real quick, I want to thank for all the donations and the continued support. It goes a long way to help our ministry. You know, we're not pastors. We're just regular guys. And each of us are on our own spiritual journey. We feel all men are leaders, leaders of family, leaders at work, leaders in the church and community. But sometimes that lead dog needs to be fed, spiritually recharged. And that's why we're here. So whether you found us on Facebook, SoundCloud, where we archive all of our podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, our website, which is man-upspiritualoasis.com or pray.com. We're glad you are joining us. And we are going through judges. And this particular title is called No Good Deed Goes Unpunished. And I'm talking, this is very much a man topics. And if you're new to us, what we do is we are a collection of different individuals. We take a ABF Adult Bible Fellowship or Sunday School lesson. We update it. We put a man spin on it and discuss it and apply it to our lives. And most likely your life as well. So, and with that, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the panel at this time. Uh, he is a former world-class policy writer, but a current professional gambler. That is our producer, Mr. Steve Titch. Hello, hey, everybody, Steve. Steve. <clears throat> he is a former prosecutor, but he is an attorney. He could defend you or he could throw the book at you. We call him the judge, Michael Cropper. Hey, Hi, Mike. Mike. Hey, guys. And he is a world-class corporate trainer. Uh kind of the group theologian we call him the professor robert goshu hey robert Robert. gentlemen and is earl on with this one not i don't see him yet (laughs) i don't see him yet earl has not joined us but i'm here and i'm kind of a uh contractor writer um i'm just the director my name is bill cox and uh we want to go ahead and uh, open up and just get a basic background on this particular lesson. Totally interesting, but it can absolutely be taken the wrong way. So I want to start with the producer, Mr. Steve Titch. Yeah, I- I'm anxious to see how it goes. I'm just going to briefly say we pick up right after we left off uh, last week. Uh, so go back to podcast 230 where Gideon and his ragtag army of 300 lappers uh, <laughs> go down the hill and essentially pretty much blow their trumpers, smash their smash their uh, pots and yeah. lanterns and light their flort their torches and the Midianites, their their army, which which may have been as many as I'm looking back at the at the 
some studies, as many as 135,000, let alone 30,000, scatter and run, and they're trampling everyone, they're stabbing each other. And now we're going to pick right up, and Gideon and his, and his army are going to go chasing after them. Uh, when, we, when we do the reading, because the, some things come in, I want to come back and talk a little about the geography, because it plays into this and, and, and the situation is real at the time. But we see, we see we could argue some maturity on Gideon, and then we, does he go a bit too far? And maybe when we get into the later segments, we'll have a debate about that. I, 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 the guys know what I think about this because I circulate stuff. I don't know what they think. I'm in for a discussion. Excellent. Uh, I, honestly, if you listen to the last podcast, you'll realize with 300 guys, he halfway scared the Midianites and he scammed them too at the same time. So it was, uh, it, 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 it's really awesome what Gideon did. So I'm going to go to uh, the professor uh, next. Professor Koshu. Yeah, this is a great lesson in leadership and how to respond to conflict and how to respond to the naysayers or the people that jump on board in the end and <laughs> The, the other half of it is, is really looking at how Gideon manages the people that jumped on the, the latecomers, you know, the, the ones that, oh, we're going to win. Let's join in, boys. <laughs> you know, and how he manages. There were two sets of them and how he manages both of them because he managed them both a little differently and with good reason. Excellent. Uh, Michael Cropper. Yeah, this is right now, as we're talking about it, um, it's 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 dealing with Gideon's leadership in the time of a war. But actually, you guys have talked about this, Steve, Robert and Bill off screen and off the um, off the audio. Uh, we want to apply that to leaders, leadership in time today and practical standards. And that what that's what what man up is all about. At what time, one time or another, all of us are leaders. Uh, leadership is right up our alley. Uh, it's especially important to us as members of Man Up. If we do not step out and direct several people, we at least influence people during our lives. You don't necessarily start off being a leader. You usually learn the characteristics with it and the traits and the things to act out and do. But the fact is, even if we are a follower in our character, we usually have family members or neighbors who are influenced by us. So you can you can apply that as leadership if you influence anybody. So why and how do I know this? Well, we all have to make decisions. We all have to work. We all influence our children, our coworkers, our friends, and our spouses. And you're probably around the leadership of others each day. And life is made up of leaders and followers. It's always been the case. Now, you can choose your leader. Uh, pardon me, you may choose your leader or that leader may be chosen by you. There are many times in leadership you don't necessarily like the leader or you may have very little to say about who the leader is or how the leader acts. However, you can choose the type of leader you want to be. And that's what today's story is all about. Bill? Excellent. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read the scripture. I just want to caution you. Uh, of course, it's uh, uh, it's Old Testament, so there's a lot of slaughter and blood and stuff like that. But I, I think it, you have to listen a little bit deeper 
and then you'll find the nuances. And that's kind of what, what we do is we kind of unpeel the onion and get the layers. And, and with that, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read the text um, here. And this is uh, uh, Judges 7, 22 through 8, 8. And uh, when the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. The army fled to Beth Shittah towards Zeraha as far north as Abel Mahola, near Tabith. Israelites from Naphtali, Asher, and Mamunusa were called out, and they pursued the Midianites. Gideon sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and seize the waters of the Jordan ahead of them as far as Beth Barah. So all the men of Ephraim called out, and they seized the waters of the Jordan as far as Beth Bara. They also captured two of the Midianite leaders, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb and Zeb at the winepress of Zeb. They pursued the Midianites and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon, who was by the Jordan. Now the Ephraimites asked Gideon's, why have you treated us like this? Why didn't you call us when you went to fight Midian? And they challenged him vigorously. But he answered them, What have I accomplished compared to you? Aren't the gleanings of Ephraim's grapes better than the full grape harvest of Abizar? God gave Oreb and Zeb, the Midian like needers, into your hands. What was I able to do compared to you? At this, their resentment against him subsided. Gideon and his 300 men, exhausted yet keeping up the pursuit, came to the Jordan and crossed it. He said to the men of Succoth, give my troops some bread. They are worn out, and I am still pursuing Zeba and Zalmunna, the kings of Midian. But the officials of Succoth says, do you already have the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna in your possession? Why should we give you bread for your troops? Then Gideon replied, just for that, when the Lord has given Zeba and Zalmunna into my hands, I will tear your flesh with desert thorns and briars. From there he went to Pernil and made the same requests of them. But they answered as the men of Succoth had. So he said to the men of Pernil, when I return in triumph, I will tear down this tower. So Gideon, yeah, he is feisty about that. And uh, I want to go uh, back around, get some impression from the fellas. I just want to say this. Typically, you support the troops that are fighting in your favor. That might give you an idea of where I'm going with my discussion, but I want to go and start off with uh, producer Steve Titch. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just going to speak to a little bit of the background on this, because uh, if you're not familiar with the Bible or if you're new to it, you might not exactly have a placement of this. In most Bibles, there's a map maybe in the front or the back. But this is occurring. The time this is occurring is still before 
before Israel is a kingdom. And it's a loose confederation of tribes. And those are when, when we hear Manasseh, uh, Asher, Ephraim, uh, those are those are the tribes, and they're named for the sons of Jacob, also Israel. Remember, uh, the, the Israel's, Israel, Jacob, and his sons were all reunited in Egypt in the book of Genesis after Joseph had been sold into slavery. Joseph, of course, becomes an advisor to Pharaoh. And when, when the exodus happens, uh, these, these sons have since uh, basically founded tribes, and they're all they, they're all enumerated through Exodus. And when they get to the promised land, God spells out specific lands for them uh, throughout what is now Israel, even parts of Lebanon and uh, and Jordan. So, uh, th- and so what we have here is a loo- really a confederation of tribes, and they come together here in the northern part of what would be northern Israel, would be around where the Sea of Galilee is. It was known as the Sea of Kenareth then. Uh, That's where Gideon gathers his troops and this whole episode with the 300 men and the shattered lanterns and the trumpets happen. Then Gideon chases them down the south, south along the Jordan River uh, not quite, about, about halfway to where the Dead Sea is now. So about halfway down toward the Dead Sea. And that's where Ephraim will join the fight. And the armies, the armies of the Midianites will split. Uh, the, Ephra- the Ephraimites will take on one group. That's, that's where the, the what is Zeb goat falls into the hand of, of the Ephraimites. And Gideon will chase the others across the Jordan which is still Manasseh's tribal lands at that point. And, and that's where they encounter the other two towns and ultimately they defeat the Midianites. Uh, so, so that's the geography and background to this to give, to give readers who are new to the Bible a little bit of a flavor of what's going on. Excellent, uh, Professor Koshu. Steve, good job describing. A, if you, if you want to kind of a word picture, the easiest way to think about you're looking at Israel on the left is the Mediterranean Sea. There's the coastline come in about 50 to 100 miles. You have a river that goes along at the top is the Sea of Galilee. At the bottom is the Dead Sea, kind of about three fourths of the way down on the left side towards the Mediterranean is where Jerusalem lives. This is about halfway down. And if you're wondering, why did they stay on that side of the Jordan River? Well, remember, we're fortunate these days and times. There are these things called bridges that go over rivers (laughs) and if you didn't have a bridge over the river you had to go where there was a ford that was where the water was naturally shallow in that area so as they're fleeing they're coming down the jordan river and they're doing that because they're trying to get to a ford they they need to get to a ford to get back across because midian wanted to get over there because they thought that would be the safer area so that's why they're running down i found a couple of things interesting one thing I found interesting is, is notice that the uh, places where Oreb and Zeb are killed at are named after them. They're named for where they died. Yeah. Didn't you wonder why they they called it that before they killed them? I don't think they called them that. I think that was 
you have to. Or today you're going to yep. find out why they call this the Stone of Horeb. <laughs> why is this the Rock of Horeb? Oh, um, right. But what I find interesting is so Ephraim basically, Ephraim was probably in that huge group. The ones that fought are probably in that huge group that drank the right way. And God said, no, 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 I'll send them back home. And so they hear of the great victory that the 300 got, and they're chasing these guys. And, and don't think breakneck spree, speed, running down, chasing. Think kind of along the lines of in the American Civil War, this happened on several occasions where there was a huge battle, and one of the armies kind of starts fleeing away. And it it's not like they're in hot pursuit. There's like, Everybody up front, there are people behind, and maybe there's a little bit of action going on in the back of the running group and the one in front fights. But they go so far and they both set up camps and then they kind of set men out pickets to kind of watch to make sure nobody. So it's not like a running, you know, like we think of a chase where you're chasing somebody. You're actually so there was time for word to get down to Ephraim. Oh, hey, Gideon beat the guys. Check it out. <laughs> So now they join in at this point and they help chase him across the river. And they get a little offended because they weren't in there and they don't want the, the idea here really is they don't want Gideon coming down and saying, I was in charge. I did this. They want some credit is where it comes down to. And Gideon very smartly gives them some because what he basically says, look, you got the guys. You brought me their heads. This is all you. It's really cool. And, I mean, you can't say anything because, hey, even the gleanings of, of my tribe stuff is small compared to the, to the harvest of your gleanings, which are the leftovers that people are left to grad, are better than my entire tribe's harvest. So you are like this fantastic tribe, and we are really happy you joined us and you helped us with this. And that's a really good opportunity for him to prove leadership up and to talk about how he can bring out the best in them, even though they kind of left while he threw them to the side. At the beginning. So this is a way to kind of bring them back into the fold. Excellent. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. Uh, this is Man Up. We will be right back. This is Bill Cox, director of Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Thanking you, our listeners, for making us one of the fastest growing podcasts in the Christian space. We are proud to announce that the regular guys have earned a video slot on Preach the Word TV Network, a Christian video streaming application with more than 50 million downloads worldwide. To finance our video production, we have launched a GoFundMe page to raise funds for our studio space and production team. Our program will be available on Roku, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV. It will also air locally in Atlanta on Saturday mornings on WYGA channel 16.5 to make a tax deductible contribution and learn more details please look us up on gofundme.com under man up spiritual oasis for men 
or donate directly through PayPal at donate at manupmedia.org. Thank you so much for your support. And now back to the fellas of Man Up. And welcome back, everybody. This is Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men, podcast number 231. And we're talking about Gideon. And uh, I guess I'll go to Michael Cropper first and uh, get your views. Uh, Judge. Yes, it's very funny because I looked at the maps too. Everybody's looking at the maps for this lesson. Uh, and, and, and the reason they ran south down the Jordan River, as uh, Steve and Robert described, was because Midian, the land of Midian is down south of the Dead Sea. So they're headed home, okay? And the, uh, the land of Amalek is also down southeast below the Philistines. Now, how in the world those two, those two countries got together to fight and take over Israel? Who knows? But the Easterners are the ones who are directly east of the Jordan River to where they start running when the Ephraimites come off. So you have the fight up to the left of the Jordan River. If you're looking up north, the fight is to the left of the Jordan River where Gideon approaches them, and they run down the valley of Jezreel to the Jordan, and then they head south, like Steve said and Robert, and then they go about halfway, which is probably where the Easterns are from because Ephraim cuts them off. Gideon calls Ephraim to come and, and meet them and stop them from, from water their animals, what's left of them. And, and so they go to the right, if you're facing it, or to the east, and they go up the Jabbok River, and then they eventually get caught up in Korkor, which is maybe 50 miles from there, but but who knows? But I, I found it interesting, guys, that you guys looked at the maps too, and I thought, you know, I've, I've got to look at this and get my head straightened out on this, why? Now, uh, we find it, I find it interesting with the anger between Ephraim and Manasseh. Uh, again, if you look at the map, First of all, we know Manasseh is the older of the two, and Gideon is from Manasseh. And we know that well, for whatever reason, uh, Jacob chose to bless Ephraim, the younger, and he put his hand on Ephraim's head, and he blessed him and said, Ephraim would be the greater. But if you look at the map you guys have been talking about, Manasseh holds land five times the size of Ephraim. So I'll tell you right there, between two brothers, that's going to be jealousy. So I don't just see anger in this case that 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 Gideon uh, did well to to stop the anger between the two tribes, but I see there will always be a jealousy because Manasseh has about five times the land land as Ephraim does when they were awarded land from uh, from Joshua, and then. Guys, you know, and Bill, you don't know this, and, and I asked Steve before the program again, I have a brother, brothers fight. They they fight when they're young. Uh, they don't necessarily fight with their fists, but they disagree, and one always tries to better the other one, especially the older one will try to better the other one. And in this case, you have the younger one who's who is supposedly blessed by Jacob, and he thinks he has... Um, a, a right to be with the rest of them. He's the one that comes in last, and he's he's complaining that he's the last. And, and finally, Robert, Robert, you made the comment about the grapes, and uh, which which uh, Gideon so nicely uh, nicely presented to him. He says uh, to me, he said he's saying he says, okay, from you're you're mad at me, but 
don't you get to drink the wine while we had to stomp the grapes? <laughs> Wouldn't you rather enjoy the, the prosperity? In other words, Orb and Zeb, you, uh, you got the, the benefit of all the work we did and you're much better fighters than us. But we, we, we know here in the background, God is actually leading this fight and Gideon knew when to let go. I'm amazed at him because he knows he doesn't have to prove anything to anybody. And eventually we'll know that if, if, if I don't know if you guys will mention, but Gideon will be asked to be the king of Israel and he will turn it down. He, he, by this point, he is so, so has so much faith in God. He's exercised his faith muscle so much that he says, uh, he says, I'm not, I'm not going to be the king. God, your Lord will be your king. But anyway, a couple of comments, Bill. Excellent. Uh, Earl Lloyd. Michael Cropper hits it on the nose at the end of his spiel. And, and I, I'm going to take this back to when Gideon and the Lord had conversation about him leading uh, the Israelites against the Midianites. How easy it is for you to fight a battle that you know that you are going to win even before you even go into battle. And the, his comments at the end of scripture where he was telling the leader that, um, you know, what, what he what he will do. I mean, and I, I'm not saying he's cocky, but not only does he have faith, but he's assured that God is going to be with them. And it, 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 I mean, it, it, it's just just reading the story because you already know who's going to win. It just makes it easier. And and I like to relate that to us as Christians, because we know we got victory. We, we can't be stopped. We can't be beat no, no matter what happens or what comes our way we got victory in jesus and we should take the same attitude that 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 gideon had during his fight um 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 with the midianites and i love what michael proper talked about he turns down the king uh the, the kingship because the lord is our king and that's that's the way we should that's, that should be our feeling. God is our king, no matter no matter no, no matter what. I mean, that's I I, I I shouldn't say he's cocky, but I love his cockiness, and and his cockiness is his faith because he's assured that God is going to be with him. Wow. Well, <laughs> thanks for uh, throwing water on what I was going to say, Earl. But I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Uh, I honestly, I think, uh, personally at the end of this, when, um, he, Gideon goes up to the men of Succoth, um, and Peniel, and they would not give him bread and water for the men that were fighting for the good of Israel. I think that, uh, upset him on a deeply personal level and his leadership uh, came out to the fact that he was going to protect his men and stand up for his boys because you gotta understand back then warfare was there's no reason to subject yourself to go out to be killed unless you're going to get something and get something is the spoils of war. 
And if you won't even get supported by the people that you're trying to defend, then that is severe morale issue for the men. And by Gideon just telling those people, listen, when I'm done with these battles, I'm coming back. You will not forget me. And that to me, that's like standing up for your troops. And that and and that's a leader uh, to me. And I mean, I know some people uh, think that uh, that might be a little on the vicious side, but it, it was vicious times back it's, then. It, well, well, this is okay. Now, there, what, you're, what you're saying is occurring when he's on his way. Okay, he's on his way to battle, and I don't disagree with it. He's standing up for his men. And, yeah, in that time and age, you know, usually the army just took what they needed. He asked. He (laughs) asked. Uh, I was going to say, most armies like that, they... But let me get to what happens at the end, which we didn't, which which we stopped before we got there, but I think it's important because this, um, he wins the battle. And he does come back and he vanquishes the Midianites and the Midianites, the whole, he got, he got there. It looks like they're going to be gone for quite a while. He comes yeah. back to these two towns and not only he, not only does he punish the, the leaders, like he, you know, maybe, maybe that's justified, you know, beats them with brambles and thorns. He kills all the men. And this to me, now, I don't know. I, I, I I'm a big fan of the movie Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, I, I, I follow, in fact, I've written biography. I've, in fact, it's, 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 I find him an interesting historical character. And in the movie, right. the first kind of the first part of the movie kind of builds this legend. And, and it's mostly based on Lawrence's own writings, but he did self-aggrandize himself a bit. No, oh, no question yeah. about that. The second <laughs> no part, however, the second part kind of steps back and is more of a, you know, let's look at him a little more critically. And there is this scene late in the movie. They're they're pushing toward Damascus, uh, and he's got his Arab army, which is mostly mercenaries at this time. And uh, they uh, they do come upon a village where the Turkish the Turks have massacred the people there. No doubt about that. But by the time they catch up to that that regiment that 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 army, it's broken. It's it's unarmed. It's it's just heading back, and. One of the, I guess, one of the soldiers, one of the mercenaries whose town that was, you know, there's a reason there, kind of says to him, no prisoners. And Lawrence, and this is historically true, this is not exaggerated in the film, basically says no prisoners. And they go and they completely massacre a mostly unarmed army, uh, you know, the remnants of a of a broken, defeated regiment. And that's a tur- that's a that's a key point in the movie. Even the you know, even the 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 character of the, the reporter who's kind of the audience surrogate is horrified by this. And I think that's what happens here. And I think this is where we've got to be careful about how we approach here. I don't say I'll, I'll only put scarecrows on heroes in the Bible because Gideon is definitely most you know definitely a hero appointed by God. He's a great warrior, but at this point. When he kills the people of that town who he liberated, he takes it, he, 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 he crosses the line from being effective general 
to petty tyrant. And I don't think we're wrong in criticizing this. I, I think, I, and I think the author of the study kind of over glosses over this thing, but I think it's worth talking about it that this part, that order, I mean, we, it's clear in the Bible when the, when the Israelites are told to wipe out people, no doubt about that. It's clear, this, this doesn't, the Lord doesn't tell him to do this. He does it. And I think he oversteps. And we look later at what this is not very Christ-like. This is not very God-like. This is not a loving your enemies. There is no forbearance. They won the war. They won the battle. They're coming back. Yeah, they should be a little more magnanimous. They should be maybe punish them, maybe get some a bit of stuff. But to go that far seems to be more of what men, what we what we criticize on this podcast. This is this is the, the guy in the boardroom, the, the VP, who does get to become CEO, and then he fires every single person who dared say the smallest thing against an idea he had. And, and we've talked about the people who hang around with yes men. So my, I, that's a long way of saying, I think we got to call out Gideon here, uh, on, at least on that. Okay, well, we and with that, we're going to go ahead and we're going to take our we're going to take our second break. This is Man Up. We'll be right back. Hey, pastors and church leaders, are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back, everybody, to this Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast number 231. And we are back, and we're talking about, well, uh, slaughter, uh, actually. And uh, I'll go ahead and uh, I'll bring in uh, the judge, Michael Cropper. Yeah, Felicity, um David did the same thing whenever he, before he became king, when he was running from Saul, he moved to Philistia and the king gave him an area where he could live with his men, his 600 men. And David, if you remember, he went out and raided villages all throughout Philistia and he killed everybody in them. So the information could not get back to the king of Philistia. And, uh, and and the king would ask him, where have you been? He says, oh, I've been raiding the, uh, raiding the villages in Israel. Uh, right now, they're my enemies because Saul is chasing me. And, and the king of uh, Philistia loved him. He thought he was phenomenal. But David, number one, he, he didn't tell the truth. He lied. <laughs> number two, and he would kill. He'd go out and raid these villages in, in Philistia, the Philistines. And he'd kill everybody, so wouldn't get the word wouldn't get back to the king. So it's Steve. I think you mentioned this earlier. There are some barbaric occurrences in the Bible that we don't understand, and we just have to leave that to God or whatever. And 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 whenever the uh, Israelites came through uh, from Egypt into the land into Canaan on the way, 
they were ordered to kill some cities and massacre everything, including the livestock, the first city I believe they took, conquered. So it's, it's, there's just things we do not understand. I wish we had more information so we could theorize what the reason for it. But anyway, um, uh, Gideon spanked the, the men of Sukkoth, which apparently they made fun of him and said, you, you don't have them in your hand. You don't have these two kings in your hand. So why should we give you food? You, you might lose and they might come back and attack us. But the second city of Penuel, the one you said he actually destroyed all the men in it, I wish we had, again, more facts on that because there may be a lot more impudence there and they may be anti-God, uh, which God doesn't mind at all if they kill the pagans back then. In fact, he often directed that. But but uh, anyway, yeah, I would love to have more information, Steve. See, I, yeah, let, let, I, let me just put a little tax on that real quick. Um, and and I, I, I'm going to agree with Michael, in reference to some things you just have to leave to God. And I want you to remember, uh, you remember when he told Saul to go in to those cities and wipe out everything. Don't yeah, leave Saul a too. soul. Uh, Don't leave anybody alive. And remember yeah. Saul, you know, he came back with a few possessions, but God told him to wipe out even the little the little babies, the wives. He told him to wipe out everybody. And I, and sure. going back to what Cropper said, it's just it's just some barbaric, barbaric times back in those days. And uh you know, Gideon did what he was doing. He was just he was just being obedient, and again, he knew God was with him. Go ahead, go ahead, uh, uh, Coach. I'm sorry. Ah, oh, no, you're fine. You're fine. See, I think it's two different takes based on a leadership perspective. The first group, Ephraim, Ephraim joined in, and so this is. Think about it this way: this is the, this is the group of employees that is all in. They bought into the vision. They're in, they're willing to do it. Okay, you're going to give them some praise behind and doing the other. The second group is a group of employees that they didn't buy into the vision. And not only that, but they're actively trying to, pardon me, they're actively trying to destroy the actual mission and vision. Because when he came to them and said, hey, look, we're here, give us some food. They didn't just say no. They mocked him. They said, why should we do that? You don't have those guys. What are you doing? Uh, I mean, it, it was almost a mocking. And so this would be the effect of a new CEO or a new leader comes in charge. And he has a certain group of execs that buy into the vision and they want to be a part of the team. And they're all sold in and they're moving in. You got this other group of executives that are, I got passed over. Why should I? listen to you because you got the job. So I'm going to do whatever I can to destroy you. And so at this point, you know, in our day and age, we would go and fire them <laughs> in the, or, or, or convince them to pursue excellence elsewhere it is a lot of times how we refer to it or promote them to customer, you know, but in that day and age, how you dealt with this stuff, because especially in these, this is a loose confederation. It's not a kingship. And I may need Sucket to come up and help me the next time the Midians show up, or maybe remember there's a big bad kind of hiding in the, in the uh, weeds. We got the Thanos tease of them at the end of our second lesson called the, the Philistines. And they turn out to be the big bad of all big bads. 
as far as Israel is concerned early on. And I may need you. Well, if you guys aren't going to come on when we've got these guys on the ropes and they're running from us. And if you're not willing to join in and help, I mean, I didn't ask you to give me a bunch of soldiers. I didn't ask you to do a bunch of stuff. I said, give my men some food and water so we can keep the pursuit up. And you not only said no, but you mocked me over it. No, uh-uh. <laughs> I'm going to fire you. And firing you in those days meant you just go kill all the leaders. Make an example of them. Absolutely. And uh, Michael Cropper. Yes, Bill. <laughs> I said reason. No, no. I, what I did when, when Robert said that, I said, so that's the reason you're going to die today, buddy. Right. <laughs> you didn't provide us with food. You insulted my. And, and you know what, guys, you've all said the right thing. And Bill, you said this, too. When you're a leader, you have to set the example for the people following you. Right, guys? I mean, uh, and sometimes it is harsh. Uh, I don't. I don't know that we ever like to to punish our children, right? But you know, you have to do that. They're not your best friends when they're little. They're your children, and you have to discipline them. And 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 Gideon did that with the first city, Sukkoth, and with the second city, boy, he got down on them and 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 killed the leaders of that city. Maybe all the men, I think. But. Um, yeah, the the point was, uh, I, I made the comment. Yes, he he killed him, boy. He he wanted to make a point, and he wanted to make a point in leadership. And sometimes, uh, as as you said, Steve, sometimes it means firing the people that are against you. Yeah. Well, you know, I, as we come down to the end of this particular podcast, I want to get uh, uh, some of the guys' views on leadership. Uh, that we can take from this particular lesson. I just want to point out for uh, something that maybe a lot of people don't understand uh, that haven't been in a position of leadership. Uh, two things. Number one, you don't lead in a vacuum. There's a reason why you're a leader. You were either put there, you were appointed there, or you bought the position. You know, Plain and simple. Basically, three ways to get there. And number two... It is a fishbowl. You will be seen. How you lead will be seen by everybody else. You cannot lead and be invisible because people do not follow air. They do not follow mist. It is the example that you set and also the standards that you set and the accomplishments that you want to set. And so and as terrible as it may sound about uh and i mean i totally understood the whole part of the this first section of it i just kind of feel like the uh uh the fellows of Ephraim, they just wanted to join in and get some spoils i mean why not <laughs> i mean they were they were awesome warriors they just wanted a little they a little willing to join in, in. <laughs> that's right hey we're willing to join in uh yeah and we'll just take whatever we run over but no, uh, no, we're, we're not inviting you in. We're not giving you a payday because we don't need you, uh, number one. But number two, the people that we do need are the people to support the troops on the way uh, that are chasing this. And if you aren't and if you are not going to support us 
I support my boys. I will come back and I am going to punish you. And, and that sets, that sets a precedent um, that you stand up for the people that work for you. And that's kind of the leadership thing um, that I kind of got out of this. And I want to go around the, uh, the fellas and get some, uh, some final takeaways and observations. And Earl Lloyd. Whenever you lead, you need a guide. And I totally agree with all what you made mention about leadership. And that guide is God. And this is not a church answer, but you got to continue to stay connected to the Lord in reference of leading in any position. When David was leading, he always, he always talked with God. When, uh, when, 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 um, uh, uh, Israel, uh, what's, what's his name before Israel? Jacob, uh, the, Jacob, Jacob always consulted with the Lord. And I believe when you lead, you need a guide and your guide is God himself. And if you stay within the guidelines of what the, your whole, the Holy spirit is within you is, is guiding you towards, then, uh, it, it's hard to fail in this story. Gideon, I believe he stayed within the guidelines and, uh, when you stay in the guidelines, you become you become a good you become a good leader. Excellent. I I absolutely I feel that too. Uh, Michael Cropper. Gideon's approach to Ephraim, his brother, uh, fellow brother and tribe in Israel, uh, was very wise. It doesn't. I don't think it it pays to fight with your brothers. It may fight with your enemy. And sure, your brother should never be your enemy, but but his approach to to smoothing things over with Ephraim was very very good leadership. Um, the author says this, and I got and I, I know you guys know the scriptures too. Proverbs uh, fifteen one: A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. What a perfect reminder that a calm response seems to calm a situation. And, and there is a time to fight, and there is a time to keep peace. Christ says a very, very high virtue when you serve him is to keep the peace. Peacemakers are blessed. Then Proverbs 16.32 says also, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit is better than a conqueror of a city. So as great of a warrior as Gideon had become, he actually showed greater might by being slow to anger. I think those are very important things to uh, keep in mind, Bill. Excellent. Uh, Professor Koshu. So Gideon expresses and uses really four of the laws of leadership. When John Maxwell talks about leadership, he talks about 21 laws of leadership. And there's four that really come into play when we're looking at this. The first one is just the law of buy-in, getting people to be with your vision and understand your vision and understand what you need to do that. Gideon gets that at the beginning. He got everyone's buy-in. Then you get your law of victory. And this is one of my favorite quotes. Abraham Lincoln said that his generals had a way of snatching defeat from the jaws of victory after every time because they didn't know how to pursue a victory. They would win, then they'd go, ha, oh, we won. 
and Lee would run off and the Civil War would continue for another four years. Next, you look at momentum. And here, Gideon had momentum. He is chasing them down the Jordan River, and they are just, we got to get to a fort and get across because we got to get away from these guys because they are killing me. And that momentum and victory combination got Ephraim to join in because that's where Ephraim looks at it and goes, oh, we're in, baby. We got this going. And then the last one, and this is where that, where Succoth comes in, it's called timing. And the timing for Succoth was feed Gideon's army because they're ready. They refuse to recognize all of these steps and they paid a price for it. And I think as, as not only leaders, we, we like to talk about being a leader. There is also something about being a follower. And the first thing is to recognize when it's time for you as a leader to be a follower and follow that leader and do what the leader needs you to do. And at that point, you have to be able to recognize that and move forward. And I think that's where Succoth failed. They failed to recognize where they were and help snatch up and grab this as a group. Excellent, Uh Producer Steve Titch. Well, I'm glad you, this. I, I'm glad we stirred the pot a bit on this because you guys did a good job in in, in almost convincing me. Um, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, I'll, I'll say this: you have to clean house sometimes. You can't have people around who are going to run contrary to your agenda. It's just not going to work, and you got to make those tough decisions. What I want to go back to is saying again: I think. And when we study the Bible, we need to be sometimes critical of what tradition or popular commentary have decreed as heroic acts or godlike acts. And, and to, to answer, you know, to answer speculation with speculation, sure, there's a lot of information, Mike, we don't know. Uh, we, we, there's a hint maybe because Peniel has a, has a tower that that might be some kind of I, um, idolatry pole, but I'm going to go back to the way Bill started this. And, and, and when he said that Gideon took their refusal personally, and if we go back to scripture and yes, there's no other places of scripture, God says, kill everybody here. This, this can, if we look at the scripture, sola scripture, God doesn't have any influence in this decision directly. So we can argue whether it's God-driven or not, but it's not, it's not really there in Scripture. But to me, it's exactly that, Bill. Gideon took personal affront. He was not defending God at this point. He was decided he was going to give his ego a feel-good now that he had won, and he took steps a little too far. Yeah, I think this, is, uh, this has been a great discussion, too. Um, Obviously, there's a, there's a lot of questions that we're going to leave unanswered. Uh, for me, one is, is there a difference between victory and complete victory? And, and should I look for complete victories in my life and, uh, and not count anything as a victory unless it's a complete victory? Uh, and, and you can, and I was talking with a friend about this lesson and we kind of updated this to, from the slaughter of people 
to the slaughter of people's character and character assassination when you uh, go against someone for one different belief or whatever. It's not a physical confrontation, but it's certainly an opinion uh, and influence confrontation. So uh, that was the thing that uh, that I was confronted on this. And I just, I just think that uh, I kind of agree with Earl on this, that uh, uh, let God lead you. <laughs> because it's not it's not easy even leaders need to be led so and with that this is podcast number 231 we want to thank all of our donors and supporters our podcast ministry just received a huge boost from preach the word network tv this is a christian streaming platform that has offered us a streaming slot for 26 half hour video podcasts and we here at man up but you know, need your support. So won't you visit our Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men TV podcast on GoFundMe.com and help us reach our funding goal. Your contributions are tax deductible and we totally appreciate it. So on behalf of producer Steve Titch, Michael Cropper, Robert Koshu, Earl Lloyd, my name is Bill Cox. And thank you so much. We're on this No Church Answers tour. And check out our not only our YouTube channel, but upcoming TV shows. So whether you found us on Facebook, SoundCloud, where we archive all of our podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Pray.com. If you have a question or comment, you can go to our Facebook page or man-upspiritualoice.com and post it there. And if you're unable to attend a church, check out the Sugarland Baptist streaming service. It is on Facebook, YouTube, and SugarlandBaptist.org. Starts Sunday mornings at 9.45 a.m. And when you're ready, we encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church. Why a local? So you'll go and participate and find a small group, Adult Bible Fellowship, Sunday School class, that you can join for you know small group discussions like this. And find one that is men only. And if there is one, start one. This is Man Up. You've been listening to Man Up. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.